You're listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome, everyone, to this special recap, Oklahoma Sooner vs. Florida Gators Cotton Bowl episode. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Lee Man in charge from Chomp Talk, Brian Fox Jr., and the man grading the Gators for us every week here on Chomp Talk, Jake Hitt. And folks, this was kind of an expected by most fans for this to happen, but Florida follows the Oklahoma Sooners here in the Cotton Bowl, 55-20. to 20. And I know I was being Mr. Optimistic last week and picking the Gators to win 36-30. to 30. But this was also before I found out that Florida was only going to play less than 60 scholarship players this game and, and only three practice three times before the game. So, wow, yeah. Uh, but, Brian, not really a need to recap the game or the drive chart pretty much because it was basically what most predicted from one end of the game to the other, a complete Oklahoma route. Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing way to end the 2020 season. Uh, but here we are, and we're going into next year. Next year, there's going to be a whole different set of players out on that field. And we got a nice little preview of what these kids offer. Yeah, um, and hopefully the, the the product on the field next year looks a lot better than what we saw last night. Uh, like I said, a complete route. Um, Trask uh, did play this game. And I remember, Brian, last week you were saying that, that Trask had no business in the game playing this game, and it wasn't from a perspective of, well, Kyle Trask is a bad quarterback. He's obvious, We obviously know he's a great quarterback. It's the fact that all your receivers you practice with all year are gone. Your star tight end is gone. You've had three days of practice, which is completely beyond me, and all these other guys don't have the in-game experience that the guys that opted out. So you're going to have to somehow get as much as you can out of them between now and bowl time, and we just didn't see that. What's your take, Jake? Uh, talking about how they they just bang, they had like no time to prepare for this. Yeah, no time to prepare. Um, no experience. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, as you can tell, the uh, the flow between the starters and and Kyle Trask was way better than the the flow between the backup receivers and Kyle Trask. Because Kyle Trask would come out throwing three interceptions on three straight drives, and uh, one of them being a uh, de- de- debilitating pick six starting the game out there 14 to nothing um right then and there pretty much in my mind that I said we're in for a long game and uh it it, Oklahoma really actually never looked back Florida came within 13 to 17 at one point in the game but really uh didn't couldn't really take the lead in this game whatsoever and uh Oklahoma completely spanked them torched them in the rushing category. I believe uh Oklahoma had 435 yards rushing and Ramondre Stevenson had 186 yards, averaging 10.3 yards per rush. And uh, Marcus Major also added to that with 110 yards, 12.2 yards per rush. That is ouch numbers right there. And uh, Florida actually rushed for 250 yards this game. But uh, you could see it, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, Trask, uh, did, actually, we, we saw more Emory Jones this game. Uh, we uh, actually had 16 attempts this game, so uh, he was 8. Eight for sixteen for eighty-six yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, yeah, and Kyle Trask obviously three interceptions here, zero touchdowns as well. Sixteen for twenty-eight for one hundred fifty-eight yards. The only quarterback with a touchdown in this game, Anthony Richardson, one for one for twenty-seven yards for a touchdown. Yeah, so uh, yeah, not a not a 
good performance there from Florida. Looked like a Jim McElwain-esque offense against a uh, prolific Oklahoma Sooners team. And, you know, uh, and, and I say this a lot, and um, recruiting matters. So if you have a bunch of backups out there, the backups are supposed to be your depth. If you don't recruit a top five, top four, top three class, you really don't have any elite high-skilled players from a scouting high school recruiting category except Xavier Henderson, which could help you with lack of experience in a skill set category to possibly maybe burn a corner or get a quick, an extra three, four yards up the field. But you see Dan Mullen every year on National Signing Day ranting and raving about these recruiting classes. And then we see his players out there, and it, it they don't live up to the expectations. Not right now, at least. But this is what happens when you don't recruit top five classes. LSU came into your own house with the same scholarship players and completely took the top off the defense and won the game with your whole team there, minus Kyle Pitts. There's no excuse to me. If LSU can do it, Florida could do it too. Dave, the caveat I would add to that is that this is what happens against a top six program like Oklahoma. You can get by with the depth of Florida and what Florida had out there on the field last night against a UCF or against a Vanderbilt or against a Missouri. But when you get into games against Oklahoma, against Alabama, against LSU, and I know LSU was a bad team this year, but they had a really good recruiting class the last few years. That's where you start to see the weak and the poor and and everybody. That's where you start to see that separation. Yeah. Recruiting matters, man, especially for depth. Uh, Jake, you got anything to say about that? I know you're picking up the mic. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that's the struggle for every program that's not like Ohio State, Clemson, or Alabama. So it's more, the onus is more on those teams to actually, you know, hit on recruits more often than not because they can't stockpile talent like those other teams can. And, you know, I, I think that just shows that, one, the guys that he has weren't ready, and that falls on him. And, two, you know, I think that with a place like Florida still, I mean, this team is not that far removed from four and seven in 2017. That was, that was still a few years ago. So, I mean, this team's still trying to get back to where it was. But every team struggles with recruiting stockpiling talent like it's an Alabama or a Clemson. Yeah, I mean, for the talent that Dan Mullen has had, obviously he's done he's done wonders there. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, to say that he hasn't. And, and there's a lot of people on Twitter and all that. Or not a lot, but there's some people on Twitter that are saying, oh, fire Dan Mullen or something like that, which I think is completely stupid. But the only thing I want to fire from Dan Mullen this year is his own personality because he seems like he's, just doesn't have it he hasn't had that he hasn't had this you want to thumb wrestle me right now i'm gonna kick your ass no he's he looks at todd grantham and he says this oh i didn't see that that's that's what happened this year uh he he made a lot of excuses for for a ton of things losers make excuses winners win games eventually you got to quit being complacent and you got to do something about it so you know people calling for dan mullen's head yeah if he eventually gets this complacent and the defense keeps sputtering like this Eventually, you're going to lose a ton of games, and you're going to be out the door. I mean, it's it's going to fall on him regardless, whether he remains as head coach at the University of Florida or not. Um, you know, that's just that's just the cold reality of all of this is, uh, you know, you had a year where your offense was humming. You had the offense to get you to a national championship and win a national championship, yet 
you completely ignored all the deficiencies on defense and all the, the, the terrible play calling on defenses from your coaches. You ignored it. You yelled at him one time on the sidelines, and magically it got better in the second half. Um, where was this the rest of the year? You could have completely took out LSU. With any kind of mediocre defense, you could have beaten Alabama. Any kind of mediocre defense, you could have beaten Texas A&M. You could be sitting in a playoff right now, but since you've been complacent and just let your coaches do what they want to, you don't hold your players accountable. You don't hold anybody accountable for anything, and now you're sitting here 8-4 and four, uh, losing a Cotton Bowl. Well, and it was Dan who came in, and at that introdu- introductory press conference, he made the statement he was going to return the Gator standard, and it starts with him. And if he doesn't uphold to it, then how can you expect any of these players to be accountable for it either? Right. Yeah, all those you say all those things in a press conference, and they all sound great, and then when you start, you know, getting actual results on the field, and you know, you want to you talk you talk things up a lot, and then those don't really you know pan out this is what happens you get frustrated or fans get frustrated with you know you saying all these things but then not actually backing it up now this team took a step forward in the fact that it finally beat Georgia got to Atlanta for the first time in a couple years but after that it really wasn't anything else at least if when you look at the end result of it yeah, I mean, you started off hot to begin the year. It, it, you completely torched your rivals in, in Jacksonville. And this is where you know, you're getting Heisman talk for Kyle Trask and uh, Kyle Pitts. And now it's like you end the season on such a sour note. You lose three games in a row after that. Two of them being a close win and then one of them being a complete annihilation and blowout in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And I understand your team wasn't there. and You said in the press conference well, we didn't have our team. This was in our 2020 team. Okay, well, what team was it? You recruited these guys. So, you know, are, are you just going to talk down to your players that were backing up these players and not give them any kind of confidence to go out there and take it to somebody? You didn't want to thumb wrestle and kick anybody's ass, Dan. What did you want to do? Make excuses after the game and say, well, it wasn't this team and, and, and we're just going to have to go into next year. I, right. I and if that, that if that was the case, why were you even there? <laughs> that that has to right. be the question to be made. This is a New Year's Six Bowl. This is a Florida team that has standards and has pride, and yet there was none on that football field. I mean, it sounded like even after the Alabama game, he didn't really want the team to go to a bowl game. Kind of, I think he was still. They were they were up. I feel like they were up in the air up until they got that invitation about whether or not they were going to go or even playing a bowl game. And he gave, I mean, and, if, and, and it kind of backs it up because I think didn't they, they got a ton of time off for it. And you had all these guys opting out. And then by the time the game got out of hand, Dan was like, all right, let's just, just throw everybody out there and get him some reps and we'll just play. I'm going to get embarrassed. You get embarrassed getting my guys some playing time on the field kind of deal. That makes you think that, you know, obviously the players and the team, they wanted to play this game. Because they played it, you know. You don't play a game because you don't want to play it. But at the same time, it seemed to be kind of a nonchalant approach to it. Hey guys, seriously though, the way that Mullen has conducted his his press conferences this year, the way that he has just talked in in any relation with the media, 
Is there a thought maybe with you guys that maybe he's looking at what the NFL might have to offer this year? Uh, he's getting older now. If he's going to make a shot at the NFL, this is going to be that chance. There's a lot of openings, a lot of good openings. And Dak Prescott's a free agent after this year. You know, the quarterback that he groomed at Mississippi State. I, I mean, I almost, when I watch it now, I'm almost painfully like, Dude, this guy doesn't look invested in Florida football right now. He does not look as invested as you or I or as the guy who made those comments with Dave Keeps Playing. What do you think on that? Here, actually, let me play a take that uh, I actually heard earlier. It was like a ESPN show. It's it's one of the, it's not like SportsCenter or anything. It's like one of the second underrated shows, I guess, one of the side shows that they have. But uh, take, I don't even know who this is from, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm going to go ahead and play the clip. And that wasn't the most embarrassing performance by a Florida Gator on the field. It was their head coach who's supposed to be a leader that comes out there and makes all these excuses. Could have opted out? Well, coach, you should have opted out then. Because you, you talk about an embarrassing performance for a coach to get up there that's a leader of a program and say, we could have opted out, that wasn't our real team, and to make the comments he did, it's embarrassing to those players. They got outplayed, whether they had their whole team or not. And Dan Mullen, I believe, is 13-38 and 38 against ranked opponents. So maybe look in the mirror. And if you, if you would have won this game, you know what you would have said? We came out there, we were ready to play, we were all these things. You weren't. You weren't ready to play. Your team had no answer for a very good Oklahoma team. You were outclassed no matter who you were without. But what you never want to hear from a player is excuses. I hear coaches yell that all the time when people make mistakes. I don't want to hear excuses. Just get it done. He's being paid handsomely to go out there and perform, not make excuses. But this is just another moment in time in this 2020 season when Dan Mullen has left uh, a podium or a field, and I leave scratching my head thinking, why is this guy leading a program? He doesn't seem fit to do so. And this is just another moment in time and an example of that. I'm embarrassed for Dan Mullen, not the team. I'm embarrassed that he came out and said these kind of things. It shows no leadership, shows a lack of culture, and Florida Gator fans should be embarrassed, and I'm sure administration should be embarrassed by comments like this being made. I agree with most of that, not all of it. Well, the fact is if Mullen hadn't come out and said what he said, fans and and media people alike would have looked at and said, yeah, Florida was playing without all their players. They would have said it for him by him saying it looks just like that. It looks like an excuse. And he made an excuse after the Texas A&M loss. He made an excuse after the Alabama loss. We're sick of hearing the excuses. And it didn't help that uh, James Houston gave him some bulletin board material either. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that was it. I think, um, you know, like I said, the nonchalant approach to the game, but then it seemed like Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma seemed like they were want they were trying to prove a point the entire game. They were trying to show that, you know, your guy doesn't think that our team is on your team's level. Well, they're not. We're better than that. And I think they showed that because by the time Florida had the twos and threes out there, Spencer Rattler's still out there slinging the ball, and Lincoln Riley does not let his guys let up and. Dan stays taking L's in the press conferences this year. Well, I do want to get back to, do you guys think that Mullen sounds like a guy who maybe has said, has put it in his own head that he's, you know, he's done what he's done here and he's ready to look at an an NFL opportunity? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think part of it could be something like that. I, I think sometimes we look too far into things as well. Uh, it could just be he was, he was irritated in the press conference and he just, wanted to get out of there. I mean, there's a lot of times where 
you see coaches irritated saying stupid things and they leave a press conference. But then at the same time, you see the lack of energy. And then, then like we saw with Jim McElwain, he pretty much gave up on the program, made the death threats comment, and then he was fired the next day. And, and you saw that after Georgia completely annihilated Florida in that game in 2017, 42-7, you see him on the sidelines with, with his wife and some other people, and he's just laughing after the game. Like, you know he didn't even care. It didn't even upset the guy. And kind of, I, I think maybe we're kind of, we might be looking too far into it, but, I mean, it's a poss- there's many possibilities. And it's not a trash Dan Mullen podcast. This isn't what we're trying to do. We're just trying to decipher why Dan Mullen hasn't changed anything, why he went from something, what, what he talked about holding on to the rope, never let go, never give up, thumb wrestle me. And it's gradually started to go downhill to where he's starting to make excuses. And that, and, and you can't blame the players for thinking the same way that their leader is thinking when he brings them down. I mean, you can't bring down players that look up to you as a head coach. You got to sit there and say, hey, look, it's a tough loss. They took it to us. We have a lot to learn and we have a lot to do. But next time that we see them on the field, if we ever do, we're going to beat their ass. That's pretty much what you need to say. But you got to work really, really hard. But you can't go out there and say, oh, we didn't have our players. It was, uh, you had your players. You recruited them. You had players. You have depth. That's why you have depth. That's why you go out and recruit. Yeah, and actually, you didn't have Jim McElwain's players this game. Maybe that was the difference, actually. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, just about, yeah, everybody that opted out was Jim McElwain's players except for Trevon Grimes. He got him from the transfer portal. But, yeah, pretty much for the most part, it was all Jim McElwain's players. So now you have your players you recruited out there on the field. Now you're making excuses. I, I, I don't want to hear it. I mean, Rick Wells wasn't a person he recruited. I understand that. But just about every other receiver out there was somebody he recruited. So, for him to go out there and make excuses, this isn't our players or 2020 players, I, I don't want to hear it, man. You, you got you got taken to the woodshed last night to say our team got pummeled from one end of the, the field to the other, but I still believe in this team. And that's what, something that you needed to say, and you didn't say it. You didn't get it out of the coach. Even if it was coach speak talk, you still should have said something like that. But, yeah, um, a notable stat here, too, by the way. Let's just, uh, just segue here for a little bit. Um, Florida, I put this together, has given up 4,344 yards given up on defense. More than what Kyle Trask has passed for this season, 4,283. So that's your big kicker right there to why you're 8-4 and four and not undefeated going to a playoff. And the complacency to do anything on defense, to try new things, never worked until Marco Wilson opted out and you had new players on the field. Yeah, I understand. Oklahoma still scored 55 points. Yes, we know. Cool. We needed to see Tyron Hopper out there on the field. We clamored for that guy ever since he was in that Vanderbilt game. And guess what? Tyron Hopper actually played really good last night. He actually was defending receivers down the field, something that we couldn't get from a cornerback in Marco Wilson. But you kept him on the field, and now you have Tyron Hopper making plays in the backfield as a linebacker, and he's able to he's able to block receivers for uh, University of Oklahoma. And... You saw there was a couple deep passes from Spencer Rattler that was was blocked. All of it pretty much was Tyron Hopper. So why didn't we see him on the field all year? And Dave, while we're sticking with some of the good that we saw in this game, I know there wasn't a whole lot of it. 
Florida's running game finally got going for the first time all year. 250 yards on the ground, uh, several different guys getting involved. And I know Emery had a lot to do with that. And, you know, he ended up leading the team in rushing um, and had that rushing touchdown. But 250 yards is a big number by this offense this year. I, I think that's where Dan Mullen wants the offense to be. I think we've seen that at a place like Mississippi State. I've seen it when he was the offensive coordinator at Florida. He wants he's, – he's a guy who can change his offense to his quarterback skill set. But I think at the end of the day, he wants to have a run-focused offense where his quarterback is the focal point of it, whether it's the read option, the draw play, the power, whatever it is. Dan Mullen loves to run an offense – not loves, but he runs an offense where the quarterback can be considered a primary ball carrier. Right, and I get that, and I think it's a good philosophy or good strategy. However, what I want to know is, outside of Kyle Trask passing the ball, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson combined for 9 for 17 for 113 yards. You will not win football games if you can't be consistent on both the rush and the pass game. Yeah, I think you got to look at guys like Nick Fitzgerald or Tim Tebow, who weren't really efficient passers either but did it in both ways with their feet and with the arm. It's just about completing the passes when you need to. Well, this is going to be the offense next year. So, uh, yeah, it was good to see that they could run the ball in Oklahoma. Um, Unfortunately, Oklahoma doubled pretty much what they rushed on them. But, uh, you know, I liked what I saw, the good takes from the game. Uh, I did like the the fact that we were able to – every Jones, when he throws the ball deep, he's accurate. Um, You saw a pass to Justin Shorter. He just kind of – flopped and dropped there, which could have been a big gainer right there. But um, he, I liked what I saw from Anthony Richardson. He looked pretty good when he was out there for the, I guess, minute or so he was out there. But um, obviously probably against Oklahoma's backup defense. But still, you still liked what you saw. Um, I like the way that the linebackers were flying off the ball. Those linebackers were fast. They just the, – the, the thing that comes to haunt this team in this game, which haunts them just about every game, is the lack of – his poor tackling like how many times did that running back get hit or have contact and just brush them off and just kept going that was if I could record missed tackles last night I could probably go into the 30s 40s maybe 50s I mean I mean me and Jake were talking about it before uh for the podcast um there was a ton of missed tackles last night so if that's pretty much every long run that Oklahoma had yesterday was aided by several missed tackles and if that's bulletin board material for next year to work on, yeah, missed tackling would 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 actually be really good to work on. And uh, uh, speaking of all this, Dan Mullen talking, I I don't want to get away from it right now because we had a voicemail come in from Jim Malose, and uh, I actually listened to this before the podcast, so I figured this one would be good to play. This is the only voicemail that came in, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this voicemail, and uh, he asked this question. So, hey guys, this is Jim. Uh, Twitter handles Jim Wins Thirty Three. I just wanted to call in and get your perspective on this. Uh, you know, I'm class of 2010 from UF. My wife is a lifelong Oklahoma fan because her dad is an alum from OU. And so I've watched every game this year for, for our guys and for their guys. And I just got to say, I think that what we saw last night was pretty disrespectful to the Florida program from Dan Mullen's uh, efforts. I, I think that he got outcoached by... Lincoln Riley, 
you know, they call him a wonderkin there in Oklahoma. But <laughs> let me tell you, they, they look much better prepared than our guys did. And then Mullen comes out after the game and says, you know, Gators could have opted out, but they chose not to. I mean, half the damn team opted out. So I'm not sure that, from my perspective, you know, I don't think that, that Mullen had the I don't think that we had any energy going into that game. So I was just wondering what, what you guys thought. Do you think that, you know, Mullen really didn't care? And so that kind of trans, transformed over to the team. Like, we didn't care. We didn't, we didn't really want to win that game last night because I'll tell you, Oklahoma did. And if that's going to be the attitude of our team next year, we're in for a lot of trouble with a new starting quarterback, lots of new guys on the ends. You know, the receivers didn't show up last night like they needed to. Uh, you know, a full year of practice and everything, getting them ready. But let me tell you, <laughs> if, if, if those are the two directions of these two programs, I'm worried about next year. And I was wondering what you guys thought. Thanks. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Um, the defense has to get better. Um, that's just, that's just the cold hard facts. You're not going to have the offense you had this year, next year. It's not going to happen unless some dying miracle happens on the offense. The offense isn't going to be the same next year. It's going to look totally different, whether it's a uh, very successful or very mediocre, it, who knows? We're not, we're not going to know, but, um, yeah, I'm a little worried for next year, especially if, if the complacency and not holding people accountable or coaches accountable keeps continuing because, and uh, this team with this backup offense probably would have not won a game this year. So, uh, yeah, defense has to get better. And, um, yeah, uh, what's your take, Brian? I think Jim hit it on the head there. I think absolutely. we uh, Florida did not come out in this game prepared at all. And it's a, def- a definite concern heading into next year where there's a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. And there's, despite most of these guys coming back on defense, there's just as many question marks on the defensive side of the ball. I, I mean, this is going to be – let's hope that there's a full spring practice this year because if there's a team that's going to need it as much as Florida, you're going to have to show me because Florida is going to have to replace so many parts and we don't know what we're getting from this team next year. I think Jim's absolutely right. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I completely agree that Lincoln Riley outcoached Dan Mullen on the uh, last night. I completely agree. And let's not act like, Lincoln Riley hasn't taken his team to the playoff, you know, with three different quarterbacks in three straight years. He's, a, you know, he's everybody's always talked about how he's a top coach in college football. He's always been linked to NFL jobs. I mean, even when he was like two years into being the head coach at Oklahoma, and I think it showed the level that Oklahoma's at, even in a down year, and where Florida still has to go. Yeah, uh, that's where depth matters. This is what we talked about this whole podcast. Um, I mean, depth at quarterback, great. Um, but uh, questions all over the defense. And probably there's going to be a lot of questions going into next year. And um, I, I don't know. I, I want to thank Jim Blose for uh, calling our voicemail line. And if you want to give your opinion or hot take or anything, you could call our voicemail line at 352-888-4687. That was from Jim Lose. And thank you, Jim Lose, for sending us that voicemail. Very good question there, by the way, too. Uh, I know we were talking about it a little bit beforehand. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, next year there's going to be a ton of questions. Offense, defense. Uh, it's going to look new. It's going to look brand new. And I remember saying, enjoy this season. Enjoy this last game as we got it because it may not look the same next year. But that was before all the opt outs happened, and and before I knew most of the roster that was starting wasn't going to be out there on the field. But so uh, if you want to go back to you know the last game that we might enjoy would be the SEC championship, but uh, maybe we, we lost that game there six points, but still uh, competed with the best team in the nation there. So um, yeah, uh, we don't know if Kyle, uh, Kyle Trask is returning or not. Still, he still hasn't came out and said anything. But uh, I hey, would assume Dave, while we're while we're on this topic though with Kyle Trask, it was very interesting how in the press conferences yesterday, Dan Mullins asked about Kyle Trask, and he says, yeah, he's going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL next year. And then Kyle Trask comes up not five minutes later and says, oh, yeah, I haven't made up my mind yet. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> Is Dan pushing him out? That That's a question I have. Is Dan ready to say, hey, Kyle, you had, you know, 13 years here at UF. I know it wasn't that much, but um, – now it's time for Emory. It's time for my offense. And what do you think about that? Uh, it could go one or two ways. It could be, like you said, him trying to push him out. Uh, but it also could be the fact that maybe he just goofed and knew Kyle Trask said he was going to go to the NFL and kind of just came out with it and said, oh, whoops, I kind of gave that away. But uh, we don't know, man. Uh, if you want to look into it that way, I mean, I guess. I mean, that's a good it's a good take from what I heard, but yeah, like when you see that and you see Kyle Trask say, "I haven't decided yet," you kind of you're kind of like, "Wait, wait a second, what? Hold on, your coach just said this, and now you're just kind of questioning yourself." So yeah, I could I could understand people's takes on that. Well, then you see Emery come out and he's like, "I've waited, you know, I'm ready. I want to take over this offense," and so I just think it sounds like a case of mixed messaging among the the three of them there, you know, whether. Dan and Kyle already had that conversation. I mean, it would you would lead to believe that they've already have had the conversation because you had you had a couple guys opt out for the NFL already, so you know there was some kind of meeting. But I'm sure they'll have some exit meetings and really determine whether Kyle wants to come back or not, or you know he'll go like everybody thinks he will. And while we're talking about Emory, because I, I know that's been a big discussion, is hey, he's going to get his turn. He's going to. I really, really like what I see from Anthony Richardson. The dude looks like he has the whole package. He's got the the height, the weight. He's got everything kind of on. He rushed the ball three times for 42 yards. And I'm trying not to take away much from yesterday's performance because I don't think that that's exactly what we're going to see moving forward, especially from Emory. But I, I almost wonder, is it possible that by the time fall camp comes around, could Emory be sliding on that depth chart there in the quarterback position? I don't know. I don't want to look too far into it because Anthony Richardson was more than likely up against Oklahoma's backups when he got into the game. It was late in the fourth quarter. Um, you already won the game. Um, I don't want to look too far into that. But, yeah, I mean, he looked good from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, that was um, – that. he had, like, one play for 27 yards, but it's still a great pass for touchdown. Um, but, yeah, the thing I don't get either is is Dan Mullen's foretaste to get these big quarterbacks, big size dual threat quarterbacks. And Emory Jones has been in that program for three years and has not put on any weight. He's still at like what two two fifteen maybe two ten. How come he hasn't tried to get him to, like bigger? I mean, I mean at least a two thirty. I mean Anthony Richardson is coming into the year two thirty five, and uh, I I don't 
I never got that because I always thought that Emory Jones would put on size between the time he was recruited and the time now. It doesn't look like he's put on any size at all. I mean, that, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a great quarterback or anything like that. And I'm not trying to go that route on Emory Jones or anything. But, like, Emory Jones was stuck in there to the Wolves, though, too. I mean, your, your quarterback just threw three interceptions, and now you're coming out there to, to save the day. He looked decent at some points, and then some he threw one in triple coverage, which I wish he wouldn't have done either, but uh, didn't get intercepted. He's lucky it didn't. But I can't really read too far into it. I mean, this was a team, like you said, that had three days of practice, and they're not used to being starters out there on the field. Uh, you probably should have had more practice and, and less time at home. I, I, I mean, obviously, take let them go home for Christmas. It's, it's a family time and all that. But other than that, man, you got to prepare for a bowl game. And if you cared more about preparing for this bowl game, you would have prepared for more days and, 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 and everything like that. And I think kind of Dan Mullen's attitude after that SEC championship, he kind of just gave up a little bit. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, man. I look too far into things sometimes, but I mean, there's just no excuse for what you saw out there on the field. Even if you would have lost the game, it would have been a close loss with backup wide receivers and a backup quarterback. You would have had more credibility. and It would have been understandable. A lot of people thought Florida wasn't going to win this game anyway, but what you saw was a complete annihilation and, 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 and players unprepared, running wrong routes, uh, dropping passes that are getting intercepted. You just saw a bunch of just Jim McElwain-esque plays out there. And uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's what you get when you don't prepare and you only prepare for three days. And nobody's on the starting side of the football. But uh, Florida, man, they, uh, in the season here, uh, just Florida's defensive ends with the season with averaging giving up 30.8 points per game, giving up an average of 257.5 passing yards per game, and giving up an average of 170.5 yards rushing per game, a total average of 428 yards per game ending the season. So, yeah, the defense has probably been at its worst than it's been in a long time. And th that's another topic right here I want to talk about, Brian, is does Todd Grantham stay or does he go? Man, if he stays, Dan Mullen's going to have to answer to fans, to media, to everybody. There's not a single person that seems that's out there other than a few of the players that came out last night that want Todd Grantham back. And I, I've told you guys before, I don't necessarily think it's a Todd Grantham thing, but I think production and results matter. And based on what you've seen, 55 points, 684 yards in a bowl game, a New Year's Six bowl game at that, that's unacceptable. And it all has to fall at the guy who's making those decisions, and Todd Grantham has to go for that. Call it a mutual parting of ways if you want to, uh, but fact is he should not be coaching on those sidelines next year. Jake? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think want some going this year was just – you know, I think anybody by any stretch of the word, imagination would call it atrocious. Um, but, you know, Dan's like Jim McElwain. He likes his guys. It's the reason Todd Grantham was there for so long at state with him after Jeff Collins left. He picks his guys and he likes them. And that might, you know, end up biting him because of it. Yeah. Uh, it's called complacency and not uh, holding people accountable. And I've said it a thousand times. I'm just a little irritated this episode, as you could tell. But um, Are you? Yeah, just a little bit. 
Um, Mr. Optimistic turned into Mr. Pessimistic today. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what you get from me today. I'm in a foul mood. I'm hungover from last night's uh, poor bowl loss. But uh, I'll be all right. Uh, but, yeah, um, with the whole Todd Grantham thing, all I know is this. We were one defensive coordinator, good, de- mediocre to good defensive coordinator away from a national championship this year. That's what we were, and that's how I feel. And um, if you could ask any, just about any fan on Facebook or Twitter, they'll probably 90.99.9 of them will agree with me. Everybody wants Grantham gone. Michael Trask wants Grantham gone. You saw him put it on Facebook. I mean, when the parents, are, even though Grantham is bad, you got an issue there. Like, parents are coming out on social media saying, hey, Grantham sucks or whatever. I, I can't remember exactly what Michael Trask said. I know it posted a screenshot, but it, I mean, that that's what I, you see it. Everybody sees it. Why, why do you come out and act like it's not happening? I, I don't get it. You could at least, if you don't want to fire Todd Grantham, you can say this is unacceptable from Todd Grantham. This is unacceptable from this defense. And, and you know, what did you do in that Kentucky game? You drilled him, right? The second half, you come out three interceptions, hold Kentucky to, I think, less than 100 yards. I can't remember, but I know it was a lot. So why couldn't you have done this every single time in the locker room when the defense was la- was playing lackadaisical and lazy, 10 yards off the, the person in front of them on slant plays? Like, it, I, I don't get it. Why, why are you making excuses for Todd Grantham? I, I don't. Just say, just say he sucks. He sucked this game. Maybe he'll be better next game. And if you got to if you got to curse him out, curse him out in the locker room. I don't know, but you know that's that's a different story for another day. Um, we'll see what happens with Todd Grantham. My prediction is Dan keeps Todd Grantham because that's how Dan is. Dan's a, Dan's the person that likes his guys, wants to keep his guys around. So we'll probably have to deal with the same production next year as we were this year. Maybe it gets better. Maybe it doesn't. You never know. But uh, through history is told, Todd Grantham, when he takes over a defense, it, it gradually gets worse as his career goes on. So uh, I did it at Louisville, did it at Georgia. And, uh, yeah, a lot of Georgia fans reminding me that uh, it actually did warn me, yeah, Todd Grantham, you got him as a uh, defensive coordinator, get ready to give up every third down. And that's pretty much true for the most part, except we gave up pretty much every down this year. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, a little bit ticked off. Uh Florida offensively would end the season averaging 509.8 yards per game, which is the good stat, an average of 131.2 yards rushing per game, which is pretty bad, and an average of 378.6 yards passing per game, which is number one in the nation. So uh, best passing game in the nation, unfortunately, did not unfold last night. Uh, Kadarius Tony and the kids opting out. And this is another thing, Brian, I wanted to ask you. Um, if you're a player on this team offensively, like Travon Grimes, Kadarius, Tony, Pitts, I know why Pitts opted out. First-round draft pick, I get it. Uh, obviously, Kadarius, Tony, and Travon Grimes won't go as far as Kyle Pitts in the draft. Not to say that they're bad players, not bad players at all. But if you're an offensive player of this team and you lose Texas A&M, okay, cool. You get all the way to the LSU game. You play your hearts out in the LSU game, have like 600 yards of offense, you still lose the game. Then you go to the SEC Championship, put up 46 points on Alabama, have 500 yards of offense, still lose the game. What makes you want to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game when you know you're just going to go out there and probably throw for 600 more yards, if not more than that, and still lose the game? Why would you? I would opt out and try my talents in the NFL too. 
that's my that's my take on it. Well, I think the obvious answer is that you love the game. Uh, the problem is, and though I see it the same way, I think that you do in that these are guys that, uh, you know, they're going to be drafted. They're going to play on Sundays next year. Even if Trayvon Grimes gets picked up as an undrafted free agent or something, he's going to be a good player. We've seen the catches that he's made. My thought is we all saw what happened to Derek King uh, the night before the Florida game. Yeah. It was announced today. It's a torn ACL. If that happened to any of those guys, their future might be done. <laughs> um, so there's everything in the world telling them that they should not play. It's the same reason I told you guys, uh, whenever we did the preview show that Kyle trash should not have been playing. There was nothing good that could come of it. I didn't quite envision what would happen. Uh, but you know, there was other possibilities as well as far as injury or whatever. And instead, here we are the day after the game, and we're like, well, Kyle Trask certainly did not help his draft status. Someone joked that he was tanking his draft stock so he could go to the Patriots. That might be true. (laughs) Uh, Kyle Trask might uh, replace uh, your boy Cam there. (laughs) But. Yeah, Brian, I agree with you. I had this conversation with my father last night. You know, it's like, I get it. If you're a top 10, I was just working through it, like, openly. I was like, get it. You're top 10 pick. You're like a Christian McCaffrey, a Leonard Fournette, you know, a guy like that. You don't want to lose your money and something that's already going to be, that's going to be guaranteed to you whether if you don't play this game. If you don't play this game, you are going to go there. But it's more, you know, think about, you know, you know, if you're on the edge, why wouldn't you want to play? And then you think the same thing that affects a guy from falling from like five to 30 or 40 takes a guy who would fall, who would be at like, I don't know, 150 to not even getting drafted. And I mean, that's just all the risk that you can think of when you're playing football. And yeah, you can get it any other time. But this is a time you know you don't have to play. Nobody cares about the game. We keep saying it's meaningless. They should be meaningless if we're going to keep acting like that. You know, why play right. the game? And, and you notice that the guys that are in the championship for the, the, the college football playoff, they're not the ones opting out. You're still playing for a championship. This is, by all means, a meaningless bowl game. And I think I told you guys last week, I fully expect that, you know, if five to five years down the line, you're not even going to see the seniors playing in this game. You're not going to see any of those guys that have potential to go to the NFL because it's going to become – an early spring game, a preview of the next season. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think it's actually a good thing as far as the health and the safety of the players. Yeah. And going back to what you said, Jake, about Kyle Trask, it's kind of a risk and reward thing. Um, Kyle Trask risked going out there against a new receiving core, uh, knowing not some of his players on defensive line, were going to be out there to kind of help him out on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, it was a risk-reward thing. Uh, he could have possibly thought, well, I could up my draft status and have completely, totally new receivers and show the NFL that, hey, I can do this with any receiver out there. Just give me the football. Or, you know, the, the, the risk in that is, you know, you throw three picks on the first three drives and you're sitting down and Emory Jones is out there on the field and then you're coming back in and, and kind of going back and forth with Emory just to try to get something going. 
And, uh, I mean, yeah, it was a risk-reward thing. It's like buying a lottery ticket. Buying $100 worth of lottery tickets and coming out with nothing. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think Kyle Trask completely hurt his draft status, but it kind of hurt it a little bit last night. But you can't knock what Kyle Trask has done this year as a quarterback. Um, over 40, it's 43 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards, 42. I think it's like 4,283 now after the bowl game, something like that. But, uh, yeah, um, Going into, I guess, the next year, I mean, we're going to go in the New Year's Day and watch these playoff games, probably both going to be blowouts um, between Alabama and Clemson, I think. But, uh, yeah, these are games we should have been in this year, and we're not because of, of complacency, lack of defense. But uh, we've, we've already went through all of that. Uh, Brian, Jake, y'all got any final thoughts before we close anything out? I mean, I think, you know, for all the disappointment, for all the heaping and, you know, the – the just amount of, I don't want to say vitriol, the amount of vinegar in people's mouths right now getting just absolutely slapped up and kind of out in the field on national television. I think what the three losses are going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth, but I really think this Florida team did, like a lot of college football teams, did something that was really improbable. You know, they didn't have a spring practice, barely any time to get together, came out, one of the best offenses in Florida football history, one of the best quarterback seasons in Florida football history, a team that was really fun to watch at times, and it's going to get overshadowed by the fact that it could have done so much more. But, you know, this was just, you know, props to them. This was going to be a really tough season for them with everything that happened. And Dave, my final thought is simply this. I think you learn more about a man and a person and a team uh, in times where things aren't going well. And I think we've learned a lot about Dan Mullen. Um, I know it's a, it's a frustrating time. When you look back right now and you see that one month ago, Florida was in first place in the East. They were eight and one. We all had championship hopes. And then to see it fall apart with three straight losses and then the way that they've lost and then the excuses that have been made after each loss. um, It's a really sad day, I think, for Florida football. But hopefully um, after a little bit of a rebuild and a retool, uh, Florida football will be back on top. Yeah, my takeaway from the season, man, is uh, we probably won't see an offense like this for a while. Um, that this was actually a record-setting offense. And um, this this was something good to take in. I mean, I, I will say I did not I, – I mean, I enjoyed watching Florida football this year. Don't get me wrong. And, and, and part of this show has been on the hangover from last night. So a lot of us are still kind of in that, you know, pessimistic kind of mood right now. Um, you know, we're just coming off of just our raw emotions here. But, uh, you know, this Florida football team did a lot. They did a lot this year, especially in offense. I was amazed at how Kyle Trask improved from, uh, you know, the first year starting to the second year as a starter. Uh, probably is not going to return next year. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. He could. Who knows? But, I mean, there's a lot of good takeaways from this year. The only bad takeaway is, like you said, Brian, you ended the year on a sour note, and that's where I'm kind of, like, just feeling down in the dumps a little bit, man. Uh, you did beat your rival, Georgia, something you haven't done since Dan Mullen has been here. So that's that's a plus. So you, you've got that monkey off of your back. But, you know, uh, that's I guess that's just what my feelings are, is just that towards the end of the season, the, the LSU loss was inexcusable. Um, losing to Alabama, okay. You know, that wasn't such a tough loss, especially a six-point loss. That was actually very impressive. Uh, that's that's one of those that losses. Was, that was a fun game. That that was was a, a it was a loss I was happy about. 
But, you know, to end it on a sour note like this with three losses and then a blowout loss in the New Year's Six Bowl game, uh, it's just, uh, it, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But, um, you know, there's, there's still a Heisman Trophy ceremony. There's still National Signing Day. We're still going to have to keep up with recruiting for next year. And, uh, you know, it never stops in Florida Gator World. And uh, you just, but my takeaway is, is I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of how they played. I'm proud of the receivers. I'm happy Kyle Pitts is going to be a first-round draft pick. I'm happy for Javon Grimes. He followed me on Twitter, follows me on Twitter. Great guy, great student athlete. Um, glad he was able to make really clutch plays uh, in, in games and, and get himself cemented into this draft, too. And Kadarius Tony breakout season we didn't expect uh this much from Kadarius Tony in the receiving game uh, he re- improved way ahead of what we thought he was going to do this year as a receiver especially with Kyle Pitts out and uh you know the I dude mean, had almost a thousand yards receiving yeah. after not breaking 300 his first three years in college that's an outstanding jump in for now. yeah and uh I believe four little over 1,400 yards uh, all-purpose this year, too, with uh, just every time he touches the football. But, yeah, that's my final thoughts, man. Uh, I don't want to keep dragging it out. Um, I've got a lot of things that I, I want to say, but, you know, overall, a great season, and uh, we just got to wait till next year and see whether this defense improves or this offense gets any better. So um, anybody else got anything else before we close out? Uh, just to Jake, to Dave, and to all the listeners, uh, have a safe and uh, happy new year, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. No, you're not my dad. <laughs> I'm going to have a dangerous new year. Unless you're Jake, you'll be waking up on a sidewalk somewhere. And, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, I hope every Florida Gator fan and every person in general has a safe and uh, wonderful new year. So uh, going out with a bang here in 2020 on this podcast, I would like to thank the fans for making it a remarkable year for this podcast. Now, I'd also like to thank... The UPS store Id Tower Square for sponsoring the Gridiron Growl podcast here in Gainesville. For all your printing and shipping needs, check out the UPS store in Tower Square. And I would also like to thank the band Felicity for sponsoring the Gridiron Growl as well. The song you heard at the beginning of this podcast is from their album, Brace Yourself, and it is called Circles. You can follow them on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, and other media and music platforms. And I'm going to close this podcast out with another one of their hit songs from that same album, Brace Yourself, called Burn the World. So, folks, it's uh, been a wild ride with a big up and a huge letdown this year. But uh, don't let this affect your New Year's Eve day mood, man. Go out there, have a toast or two or too many if you want to, and uh, celebrate a new year in 2021. And uh, prep yourself for some New Year's Day bowl games and a couple of college football playoff games. And, uh, The end of the year may not have went the way we wanted it to for this Florida Gators team. But you know what we say on this show and our motto, in all kinds of weather, we don't just stick together, but we keep it together. (laughs) 